0: This is Existential, the podcast that reminds us that we're human first before we're anything else. And from that place, we can hear each other's stories and experiences as we wrestle with issues of justice, faith, and culture. I'm your host, Corey Leake. Thanks for listening. Existential audience, uh, good to have you with us today. Today I have Maisha Hill, uh, who is a friend of mine, my sister, who is an, uh, an anti-racist educator, an author, speaker. Uh, Reese, you were on CNN not too long ago. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, you've been you've been out here. You've been out here doing some stuff. So yeah. wh- why don't you tell us what you're doing now, what's happening right now in your life, and, and uh, introduce yourself to folks who may, not, who may not know who you are.
1: Yes. Thanks for having me, Corey, my brother from another mother. <laughs> uh, hey, guys. I'm Aisha Tihel, my an awesome and exhausted mom to three children. Hmm. uh an author speaker and a coach um founder of check your privilege and brown Sisters speak i am today feeling real tired (laughs) 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 navigating the space as a bridge between um navigating the space as a connector as a bridge builder and it is not easy
2: yeah yeah Yeah.
0: well so speaking of being tired so actually i took a nap today um and as I took that nap, I actually thought about some stuff that you have said before about like this whole productivity, this whole hamster wheel that we can all run around on trying to like, you know, keep up and prove how busy we are. Like, it's almost like within culture, it isn't almost, it is this way. In culture, like if you ask somebody how they're doing, like being tired is a badge of honor that like you're like, oh, I'm so tired. And and what we're saying to each other, and I know this is what you're saying, But often, what we're saying to each other is, I'm doing so much, you know, (laughs) (laughs) and we're, and we're, and that's just, we we have to say we're doing so much. So, you once before, when we tried the podcast before, like a while ago, you were, you talked to me about this whole idea of productivity being a tool of patriarchy and white supremacy. And, And it was fascinating to me. I found it to be amazing, something that I carried with me. So, could you elaborate on that? Talk more about that whole idea of, this productivity machine that we find ourselves always trying to keep up with.
1: Mm -hmm. Well, you know, I start with time being a social construct, Mm -hmm. uh, which started during the industrial revolution. So when the railroads were created, um, time was different in every state, right? There was no main time source. And so they created this notion of time zones so that if you were in Chicago and the three o'clock, you wouldn't be in New York at nine o'clock in the morning on the same day. So they had to create a a time zone so that people would know how to function in relation to time. Mm. How that actually transpired forward, we see it is when we started having manufacturing plants and we started seeing the ways in which the more that human beings would help produce for factories and to help drive business and capitalism, the more that we do, the more that human beings were either punished or rewarded. Mm. And your rewards in a dominant culture system and patriarchy and white supremacy is our raises, our vacation times, our bonuses and our benefits. Um, And so when I say it is a social, it is a tool of patriarchy and white supremacy, we tie ourselves to how well we perform at work Mm. because we actually have been trained since childhood going through the American educational system, how to perform for six to eight hours a day. Mm. And based on our performance in schools, Mm. right? We get rewarded, right? You you Mm. write that good paper, you get an A, right? Then you can go in the yard for recess. (laughs) the whole system right in there that we can talk about because I've named the yard, which is mostly prison. Um, we're not mm-hmm. here for that. Um, <laughs> not today. High school, and you know, our parents, that's what they said. Go to college. Go get the American dream. Um, <laughs> we get that. We go to college. We get the degrees. We're performing in college, right? Because we got to make sure we get our exams in and our final papers in and our research papers done. So it is ingrained in us to work hard to get where you need to be. So that you can get that high level, C-level sweep job where you're performing all the time. Mm-hmm. And it's a performance. We are trained to produce, perform, and consume. And that is how productivity works, right? That's why so many people create productivity hacks. Because we are, like you said earlier, so tired because we have been socially trained to produce. Mm-hmm. And how we, we actually feel about ourselves is based on what we produce in the real world. And we're rewarded at our corporate jobs, and we we actually reward ourselves in life, Corey, based on how much we perform and produce. Mm. We, we we that's what we have been trained to do. So at work, for example, fourth quarter earnings—you're you a sales manager. Fourth quarter earnings, you have a goal to hit hundred million for the company. Um, the company says you hit that hundred million, you get a ten million dollar you get a ten million dollar bonus next year. You get an extra week of vacation, and you get. Three extra weeks of maternity leave because your wife's pregnant. I'm just throwing that out there. Mm -hmm. All right. Mm -hmm. So then what are you doing? You are working beyond that nine to five to get that $10 million sales goal so you can get that $1 million and all those bonuses. And we are just performing because if you're working for your company to get sales, then you're driving capitalism, right? Mm -hmm. So the performance metrics are doubled there because you're helping the company get ahead, right? And the company is capitalism, right? It's helping the economy thrive. Then you're performing. Because you want to get those raises and bonuses, but you're so busy producing and performing and that you don't have any real joy in your life. Mm. And so we have tied all of these constructs of success and productivity to the point that we don't even know how to experience rest. We Mm. don't know how to experience joy because we are performing, not just at work. We take those same concepts and we perform them at home.
0: Mm. Mm. Yeah. And you... The other thing I've been wanting to talk to you about is this notion of showing up for yourself that that you also introduced me to. And I I think that when you're performing so much for everyone else and you are, you know, you're, you're constantly trying to, to do and do and do and prove your worth. and, And especially for us as black folks that like, we can find ourselves on that hamster wheel for a different reward. Like, for us, it's like, oh, we get to prove we're human. We get to prove that we're like as good as white folks. And, you know, remember how we, you know, we're taught as children. I don't know about you, but I know I was that like we got to work twice as hard just to be equal with white folks. And in, in the midst of doing that, especially for people of color, uh, yeah. and women of color, that like it, it makes it difficult to show up for yourself. So talk about that concept right, of showing up for yourself and and what that means and and what you talk about when you say that.
1: Yeah. You, you hit the nail on the heart, you know, show up for yourself in society, in a white society, Corey, like I'm not allowed to show up for myself. Mm. Like showing up for yourself is that you have this ability to show up as a full human being in your full humanity. Mm. That means that if you are tired and someone's like, how are you? You just say, I am tired. Mm. You don't just say I'm okay. Okay because your brain is trained, because you always say you're okay when you're not. Mm -hmm. Showing up for yourself is giving yourself space to honor your humanity, to feel your feelings and name them explicitly, Mm. to really show up and be of service for yourself and in the world. And so you practice that by having healthy boundaries. You practice that by going into spaces that allow you to be fully human. Mm. Right. Because there are certain spaces, and we're like the last time on the podcast, that's a space that does not allow blo- black folks to be fully human because it's still a performance. Mm. And that's the scary part. Like in certain spaces, as black folks, we can't show up as our full self because we have to always appear to be non threatening. Yeah. Or, you know, W.E.B. Du Bois, he called it double consciousness. Mm. Or Dr. Franz Fannin with the concept of black skin, white mass. Mm. There is, as mm. a black person, like I have to show up in my full humanity or I don't feel like I'm a full human being and showing up as myself, feeling my feelings, explicitly naming harm, explicitly apologizing for harm that I actually have caused in community. Mm. That's not normal.
0: It's not. Why is it? Why is it that normal? I mean, like what, like, cause what you're describing It's like yeah, duh. (laughs) Like we should, we should, we should explicitly express our feelings. And when someone explicitly expresses their feelings to us, we should explicitly express our empathy and how sorry we are for whatever whatever harm we cause. Like what, what? Why is this not more normal in society? In your opinion,
1: (laughs) that's a quote. Normalized feelings. Um, (laughs) I think uh, society teaches we're going all the time, Corey. We're performing. Mm. We do not even Mm. know who we really are on a soul hmm. level hmm. as we spend again back to performance we don't know how to show up for our full self if we've been performing who we are for so long that's the ego wow and the persona i'm getting wow. into in psychology but you have your persona you have the face that you show the world and yeah. if that is the only face that you show you don't know how to go into the shadow and find your true self
2: you in the shadow you.
1: yeah man
0: Man, OK, so you got to talk about the going into the shadow. Like you, can't, you, can't just, you can't just say go into the shadow and not tell us what, not talk to us about that.
1: I'm not a Jungian analyst, but if you look up Carl Jung's work, he talks a lot about the shadow work. Mm. Um, he talks a lot about how you have to go into the shadow to really, truly find your core identity. Mm. Um, some of his work is really around people with mental illness. And, you know, I will say that Carl Jung was not anti-racist. I know that for people who are listening, Mm -hmm. but it's the work and the concept of he was actually having people go deep into their shadows, their soul level selves, just through art and expressive art therapy. Mm -hmm. Because if you can tap into yourself at a soul level, if you can look at all the shadows that you don't want to look at within, it helps you fully express outwards.
2: Mm.
1: So shadow work is really just this concept of really going into the subconscious, like and really talking to yourself
2: Mm.
1: and really finding yourself and finding who you are. And I think I always say that, you know, my mental health breakdown was me getting to my shadow self.
2: Mm.
1: And it's been a process of uncovering because it's not a one and you're like, you don't like go into the shadow and that's it. Mm -hmm. I think that's why in the Bible, is it the Lord's prayer? Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will feel no evil. Mm -hmm. It's a, that's
0: the that's Psalm a, 23. 23. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. I believe that the shadow isn't just metaphoric for evil. I think it's the shadow within. Wow. And so when we go deep within ourselves and visit that shadow, the spirit is always with you. And that's why I always describe the depression, the darkness of depression. There's always light in that tunnel. You just have to find it.
0: Mm. Maisha, you worked, uh, you recently left a place where you didn't, feel safe didn't feel like you could be fully yourself what are some things that that people do or or behaviors that people have that makes an environment unsafe for other people or or, um, harmful for people
1: um i think i will call it the tacoon. i call them the white supremacy culture traits right Mm-hmm. all or nothing thinking perfectionism mm-hmm. the work of a written word there's this notion that if it's not written down it's not real mm. gaslighting the one thing that really is really in organizations is gas the narcissistic and codependent relationship mm. where there is one person in power and if you aren't on the same page as them you will get gaslighted into silence Mm. Um, there's a 1944 film called Gaslight that will give you a visual of exactly what happens in the dynamic when it is either white and black or black and black in the ways it can. White supremacy is actually in these organizations. Mm. Um, and so some of the things that, you know, I would, I'm a person, I see things and I call it out and I'm a disruptor. I get in a lot of trouble. So I would you, know, you know, that sign that says, if you see something, say something. Yeah. I am the person that always says something. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so I, I guess the way I would say them, say things was disruptive to the status quo because I'm I don't sugarcoat either. Yeah. Um, And so being in a space where I have to basically perform the way I say things. It's hard for me. So basically, I was not someone who could assimilate into the culture.
2: Hmm.
0: Hmm. Speaking of you seeing something and saying something, were you one of the people who, um, called in, I should say, you know, we don't like necessarily use call out, but the woman who who uh, quoted Maya Angelou without without giving Hello. Maya Angelou credit.
1: Yeah, that was yeah. me.
0: Yeah, and it was you. And and then there was someone else uh, following that, like, that you lovingly, you know, nudged and said, hey, you know. Oh,
1: yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> so, so like...
1: But she was like, oh, I didn't know. I'm so sorry. And she fixed yeah, it. Yeah,
0: right. Those are two different examples, right? Because the first yep. example of this, per- the first person was like, oh, it wasn't me, it wasn't my fault, yada, 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 yeah. yada, yada. The second person was like, hey, my bad. So I think there's this notion out there, and I talked about this on a, on a previous podcast. I think there's this notion out there that like people are out to cancel everybody. That like yeah. that, like when somebody comes, when, some, when you do something and it's on the internet or whatever, that everybody's after you and they just they just want to tear you down. But I didn't see that with you. I, what I saw how you dealt with the first one was like, "Hey, here's what happened." They responded as a type of way that wasn't the same as the second person who was like, "Oh my bad." Right. And I, and I feel like that's this is what we're talking about when when you talk about like calling people in. So when you do that, right? What what is it that like number one? What gives you the energy? Because a lot of people a lot of people are not brave enough to say Mm -hmm. something when they see something. So number one, what what gives you that like sense of courage to do so? And number two, when you do it, what, what is it that your end goal is when you do it?
1: You know what, Corey, that's a really good question. I think the energy I tell people all the time, I think it's an ancestor. Mm. I think it is what would Rachel do? And Mm. Rachel was my great, 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 great grandmother, who was a child, right. Mm. Who had no Mm. voice. So every time I see something and say something, I think about it as, "Oh, it's like it's like it, it, it's just a, like no say it, like mm-hmm. just say it, call a thing a thing," as Ayan Lavanzant says, and it just comes out. But when I do it, I try to do it with grace, right? I try to recognize somebody's humanity, like, "Hey, you know, um, you know, there's a way to do it where it's not an attack, right? Mm-hmm. Like, oh, hey, for example, I think the quote was Angela Davis." hey, I saw you use Angela Davis's quote. Not sure if you knew about this. Um, Would you mind like just adding some quotations to it? Right. Mm. And you can come to it with less of a charge. Folks are just willing to have the conversation and shift it. Mm. And there are some folks that even if you present it in the same way, they still don't care. And they have all these excuses because they think that you're calling them racist and you're actually just like, no, I just want you to fix something.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And people are like so scared of being labeled a racist. From what I've seen of your work, the reality for most white folks, pretty much actually all of them, is that there's a degree of racism that all white folks in this country carry because the body keeps score, number one.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: And number two, there's just a participation in a culture that rewards you for being white that penalizes you and I for being black. Absolutely. So as you're dealing with people, uh, how, are you finding that in your work, there are a lot of folks that are recognizing, hey, I'm racist, but you ain't really trying to demonize me for it. You're trying to help me. Or are you still finding a, a lot of folks that are like, you know, that just cannot come to grips with their own complicity with white supremacy?
1: Yeah, most of the folks that I work with, well, the ones that are in the lounge, my my like my, you know, group, mm-hmm. they actually have admitted it. Mm -hmm. they're actually in a space where they're like, all right, I'm just going to, we, that's what we teach. You have to call it out. You have to own it Mm -hmm. that you can break free from it Mm -hmm. or the cycle continues in you and your children. It's just like you said, the body keeps score. It'll just be generational. Mm. Um, And so the folks that actually go deep in the container with us, they actually admit it. They admit that they are racist. Um, We have a whole sentence that we're working on for our next workshop. It's not in front of me, or so I would say, but it's like basically I am racist and mm. they say my name is such and such. I am racist and I am working on actively becoming anti-racist. Wow. So the statement that we're actually practicing in community is that we are working to become anti-racist mm-hmm. and not we are because there's a distinction there. I can say I'm anti-racist, but I still have racist behaviors. Mm-hmm. So I'm actually mm-hmm. actively becoming Mm-hmm. The process of unfolding over time
0: i asked this question on my facebook not too long ago like i said somehow i was making this distinction between supporting the current president and being anti-racist and some people didn't hear the anti-racist and only jumped to oh so you're saying everybody who votes for him or supports him is racist mm-hmm. that's not what i said i said anti-racist so can you um for us all kind of draw this like distinction for us help us like make the distinction between like um this whatever the space the space between like i am a racist to the anti-racist and what that looks like like what's that journey like to becoming anti-racist which is which is i think the goal (laughs)
1: because
0: there's a lot of space
1: in between there i think there's There's a lot lot of space in between there yeah um I think one of the biggest difference between racist and anti-racist is actually the action. Oh, okay. So I think that you can say that you're not racist because you are actively engaging in unpacking your relationship with the systems of domination, giving back to community-led, Black, Brown, Indigenous-led organizations that are leading the charge against racism. Um, you're actually doing the work Someone who is racist has no interest in doing the work. Someone who Mm -hmm. is racist is someone who's actively saying, but all lives matter, but blue Mm -hmm. lives matter. (laughs) Someone who is racist has, they're not taking action.
2: Yeah. And this might
1: be hard for some people to hear because they could be like, what I'm reading. So is reading a book taking action? And I have to say this, I love y'all, but no. (laughs) Reading a book is actually helping you process what you know. But action is really being in community. And Mm. have an accountability partner. And like, if you know that the essential workers at Safeway are Black, why not you go get a part-time job at Safeway and put your life on the line during Mm. COVID-19 and become an essential worker, right? Mm. Sign up for Instacart, become an essential worker. Like the action is beyond the book.
0: Mm. That's a a, a heavy, heavy land right there. We We gotta stay there for a while because like, I've heard this a lot, man, and it feels like a tall ask until you until you place it in the context of history and you place it in the context of how this country has treated black folks since we all got here.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: But, but reading is not an action. What are some other actions? like what what are some actions? What are some actions you've seen people take, you know, that have gone that have been working with you and and up close to you and who people you've been mentoring through this process?
1: yeah. so, I have a couple... and You know what? Maybe I shouldn't say reading isn't an app. You know, but I I said...
0: But it's not not where you stop, right? I I understand what you're saying. A lot of people feel like they read a book. Yeah, yeah.
1: I read a book, I'm done. No. So people (laughs) I'm working with... I have people writing letters to school boards and actually Mm. having school boards create statements against anti racism Against racism. Mm. Um, I have clients in the, in the lounge that are, I had an attorney who actually is working to get some of the California laws around the state planning, mm. um, not mm. be racist. Mm. Um, so they're doing that. They're not, they're signing the petitions. They're like making the calls for Breonna Taylor, but some of them are really going for policy change. Um, some folks are, they have like small accountability groups are getting on calls once a week. They are donating to nonprofits. They are working with nonprofits. They are volunteering with black-led nonprofits. They're really making it a part of their life. Mm. It's, a, it's a lifestyle.
2: Mm.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. It is a lifestyle.
1: Mm-hmm. You
0: know what? So, so a lot of this that I'm hearing you talk when I'm when I'm hearing you talk about this, it sounds a lot like at the way people describe, you know, AA. Like it's and I've often said that whiteness is a hell of a drug. And and so I think what you what it sounds like you're talking about is this process of going. I've got an issue, I have a problem, and I have inherited this problem for a lot of white folks. Yes, but I still have to deal with it. It's still my responsibility.
1: Mm-hmm. If I could say anything in the last couple, few years that I've done this work, is that I actually do think that it's an addiction. Mm. One of our upcoming courses is called "Breaking the Addiction of Privilege." because there is 12 steps. I actually, it's all written out. Corey, I was like, wow, it is. You are committing to break the addiction because guess what, Carrie? It's been 12 weeks since our brother George died. I might be ahead a couple of weeks. And yet, guess what? The world went back to normal. The black squares are gone. That means you've gone back to what's comfortable. So if I was someone who, let's say I drank a lot I'm going to say Overeaters Anonymous because that's my experience. Like the hardest thing to do is to get on the call and say, my name is Naisha and I'm a compulsive overeater. Mm -hmm. But I believe in a power higher than myself that can help me get it under control, Mm -hmm. right? You have to name it and you have to keep claiming it and you have to keep saying you have this belief in something higher than yourself to help you break the addiction. Mm -hmm. And I think when we think about privilege and comfort and white comfort, this journey is not fun. You get to week four and week six because you're like, I got this. And you're like, nope, I'm good. You can ease back into the comfort of privilege. Mm. You can say, well, George Floyd died and I went out and protested. Twelve weeks later, what are you doing now?
0: Mm. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that. I I love this higher power thing, right? Because, you know, you and I both have uh, Christian roots, come out of the Christian tradition. And, you know, you hear people saying stuff like, you know, we don't need to talk about race. We need to talk about grace. People just need more Jesus and yada, 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 all of that, you know, bullshit. Uh, and so yeah. like, yeah. so I, I think that, but I, I love the idea of the higher power. I love, like, I am always so inspired when I talk to a person who has been through any sort of anonymous thing to deal with addiction, because they're some of the most honest, like upfront, emotionally aware and present people that you're ever around. When you talk about this higher power, though, right? Like it's not Jesus for everybody, it's no. not God for everyone. so what what is that space that that is the first step that allows a person to go like i'm I'm connecting to something that I, that I don't have control. I don't have control over this addiction.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And for white folks, I love framing it like this. I don't have control over this privilege, this 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 fragility, this all this stuff that I have that I inherited in my body by being white but I have to submit it to a higher power. Yes. And what are, these, what are, what are some of these higher powers that folks have submitted this thing to that, have, that allows them to be able to start?
1: You know, for some folks, it's the universe. For some folks, it's God. I can't, it's energy. Mm-hmm. What if we just said it was an energy, mm-hmm. right? Because when you look at all the religious texts, Corey, you know, this your pastor. <laughs> you know, the, connect, the connecting storyline, right? Mm-hmm. Is that there's the prophet, the son, and there's God, right? Mm-hmm, there's mm-hmm. never the mother, though, but we'll get into that on another Well, day.
0: there is actually the mother a lot. We just don't get to hear about the mother because of patriarchy.
1: Give it to me, Corey. Right? In <laughs> fact,
0: so in fact, now that, now that we're I, yes. I I haven't said this out loud to anyone um, yet or said it publicly, but one of the fascinating things about our brother George Floyd is that when George Floyd was 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 breathing his last breath, tragically, he mm-hmm. Cried out. He cried out for his mother, but I believe he cried out for the mother. I think he mm-hmm. cried out for mm-hmm. for El yeah. Shaddai, which is which me, which for people listening, it means it means the God of breast or breast is what it means. It's like this: that huh. God is a nurturer, that God is a a uh, that takes care of her children. And in that moment, I think when George Floyd starts saying. Calling out for his mother. Now I said watch the video. I never will watch the video, but I've heard he called out for his mom, and I'm like, that is a profound moment of the divine feminine showing up yeah. in his last moment. So def so yeah, we may not talk about the, f- the divine feminine, or, or you know, there are some people yeah. out there doing great work talking about it, but it's definitely, it's definitely always been a part of the tradition. People, you know, patriarchy just stole that from us.
1: Patriarchy steals everything from us. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, man, so good. I could just go on a whole tangent with that one. <laughs> um but yeah, it's, that energy. Power, it's an energy. So whether it's God or Buddha or Jesus or Mother Teresa mm-hmm. or Vishnu, I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. It's it's an energy.
0: Is it community? Is is it is it is it also potentially like that that there's somebody else, another human being who is in this thing with me. And that creates an energy that like, you know, allows me to, to, to want to, to want to, um, I don't want to even say do better because I, because I don't like that do better that, that white knuckling stuff, but Mm -hmm. is there like a synergy and community and having other people
1: around? Absolutely. The work requires relationship. Any great work requires relationship and what Martin Luther King Jr. called beloved community. Mm -hmm. And that is what is the driving force of the energy. That is what's going to change. Actually, this like we're not going to dismantle racism with powerpoints work and powerpoints and workshops, right? In mm-hmm. corporate settings, I mean, it sounds good, but that's the master's tool. I said that all the time in my workshops. Like, you guys know I hate powerpoints, but y'all want <laughs> to. <be> cool. <laughs> but it's going to be a collective energy that's going to drive this change forward. Mm.
0: All right, last thing I'm asking you because I know you, you already said you was tired, and I'm ho- I'm holding you, asking you all these questions. You you talk about dismantling a lot,
2: mm-hmm. which
0: we we all we're all in that business of dismantling. What do you imagine is on the other side? Like what is what is the age to come, the 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 future for your children,
2: mm-hmm. for
0: my children and grandchildren? What does the world look like without white supremacy and patriarchy? dominating it
1: i think it's we dismantle the white supremacy and patriarchy patriarchy within ourselves Mm -hmm. which is teaching our children to dismantle it and then i think our children go into the foundation setting which is bringing bring which is bringing in a new energy where it's not just patriarchy but it's matriarchy because you need the balance of like in chinese culture the yin and the yang you need that balance of matriarchy and patriarchy
2: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, but i think it's time that. our generation, our kids will be that foundation. And the next generation will be the building blocks. And then the generation after that will add to it. But we have to prepare our kids as we're dismantling, if they're going to build the foundation, training them to figure out what does this foundation look like? Mm -hmm. What is Black Lives Matter? How do we lead with that, right? How do we, and not to make this a Black versus white thing, Corey, Mm -hmm. but it's really our kids are going to build that new foundation because my son's generation, and I don't know about your, yeah, your daughters. I think they're about the same age. Mm-hmm. They are not with the BS. Mm-hmm. They they call it out. They call a thing a thing. They keep it straight and simple, and they say things like, "Well, you adults are y'all are what makes it so hard." Like back mm-hmm. in my day, you couldn't talk to your parents like that. No,
0: you couldn't. You couldn't. We know no better.
1: Mm-mm. <laughs> um, but I really think that what's next is the balance. And if it's not the balance, it's the matriarchy, like the mother line is going to come through. Mm. That's what we do as moms. We come through, we course correct and say, mm. let's get back on track, right? Mm. And then that foundation is set. And then the next generation builds upon that. And then the next generation builds it up. So we tear it down so that the foundation is set through the mother line with mm. that. And then the bricks are set. Brick by brick. I
0: love how you answer that because what you just did was, you you dismantled something else that always shows up for people who are like um, dismantling racism and, and that are constantly, like you said, trying to tear down these foundations that have oppressed so many people. People always ask us, "Well, what's your solution?" <laughs> well, you know, and and I love what you did because you you talked about our job is to imagine different, and that imagination of something different. Causes us to have the passion that we have to come at what is because we know that there's better But to define it all is the next generation And that's that to me is beautiful. It is connecting us all in such a beautiful way And not putting all the burden or all the power or all of the the heroism onto one generation or one group of people It's saying no collectively. We all have a part to play And our part in this generation is to tear down the stuff that is harmed so that the next generation can build, and the generation yes. after that can build. That's I love, 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 love that.
1: Thank you. Yes, it's 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 amazing.
0: Yeah. Well, you are. So, thanks thank for all you do. Thank you. Thank you for like the, the work that you're putting out in the world, the good you're putting out in the world, the um, the way that you you do it with such grace and energy. Despite the fact we didn't even talk about this, you're you're a single mom, you're raising differently able children. By yourself and, and that's that in and up that in and of itself is something you have to show up for and you're doing that and you're showing up for us. And so just thank you. Thank you so much for, you're for right. all you're doing.
1: Thank you for having me and thank you for being my brother. For sure. You got, sure. Me, you got me through one of the hardest seasons this last mm-hmm. season. So thank well, you. I'm glad.
0: I'm glad. I'm glad. Well folks, that was uh maisha Hill, my sister. Thank you for listening. I want to thank Comfort Fit for this music you're listening to. The song is once again called Sorry. I'd like to thank all of you who are uh, part of the Patreon community. I thank you for helping us to continue to do this great work and have great guests on the program. Um, Thank you to all of you who rated, reviewed, and shared the podcast. And thank you to all of you for helping us to continue for a better world, one conversation at a time.